It's funny what comes to your mind when you're sitting in a roller coaster. Many years ago, I found myself wedged inside the seat of a well-worn and well-used roller coaster at my local county fair. Now, I watched as the 16-year-old operator quickly tugged on my seatbelt, then pressed the button to start the ride. At that moment, I thought to myself, what am I doing? I mean, I'm placing my entire life, my entire future into the hands of a 16-year-old kid working a part-time job. I mean, who is this kid, I thought? How dependable is he? Uh, how responsible is he? What am I doing? Have you ever had a moment like that in your life? A moment when reality comes crashing in on you? On February 20th, 1962, astronaut John Glenn had just such a moment as he sat on the launch pad waiting to blast into space and become the first American to orbit the Earth. As he sat in that space capsule, he was also about to become the first astronaut to ride the new Atlas rocket, a rocket that during testing had the nasty habit of blowing up about 40% of the time. Well, after safely returning to Earth, Glenn was asked what was going through his mind as he sat on that launch pad. So John Glenn replied, he said, listen, I felt exactly how you would feel if you were sitting on top of two million pieces, all built by the cheapest bidder on a government contract. I'm sure we can all point to moments in our lives where we were faced with a wave of panic or at least a ripple of concern. I'm sure we can all think of times in our lives when we had to confront ourselves. Maybe it was about what we were doing at that moment, or maybe it was about what we were actually believing at that moment. I recently had one of those moments in my life. It's a moment I will never forget. It's a moment that will forever be etched upon my mind, because it was a moment when I found myself confronted at the very core of my being. It was the moment recently, when I stood and watched as my mother breathed her last breath before my very eyes. It was about 5.30 in the morning. It was in her hospital room. It was just her and me. The light in her room had been turned off. The door was slightly ajar, so there was just some light coming in from the hallway. I was sitting by her bed, holding her hand as she was breathing, and I could tell that her breathing was becoming more and more labored. As time went on, I got closer to her. I was about a foot away from her, just trying to speak into her ear, holding her hand as she was more and more becoming more and more labored. The breathing was more and more shallow. And then the moment happened. The moment when she breathed her last breath. Her chest stopped moving. Life left her body. And at that moment, as I stood there holding her hand this far from her face, the first thought that came into my mind was, so where is she? Where is she now? I, I know what I've always taught. I know what I've always said I believed. But at this moment, what do I actually believe? What do I really believe at this moment? Where's my mother? What do you believe about life after death? Do you believe that life ceases at the moment of death? Do you believe that we are nothing more than a clump of brain cells attached to a mass of bone and tissue? Do you believe that we shut down when our body shuts down? 
Or do you believe that we are more than our physical bodies? Do you believe that we are more than what we can touch and see? Do you believe that we are a soul that's joined to a body? And when our body shuts down, our soul actually still lives on. And if you believe that our soul does live on after death, where does our soul go according to your belief? When it comes to the topic of life after death, what do you believe and why do you believe it? When it comes to the topic of life after death, what are your beliefs grounded upon? What's the foundation of your belief? Well, we are Broadway Church. We are a body of people who live as followers of Jesus Christ. You say, well, what does that mean? It means that we center our entire lives around the man known as Jesus of Nazareth. It means we live our entire lives seeking to live like Jesus lived, love like Jesus loved, believe what Jesus believed, and teach what Jesus taught. Well, why? I mean, what was so special about this man named Jesus? Well, what was so special about him was not just what he said, but what he did. Jesus made some incredible claims when he walked the earth. He claimed that at his voice, the dead would rise. He claimed that at his voice, the dead would come out of their graves and be judged by him. He actually claimed to be God in flesh. He once used the name for Jehovah, for Yahweh, and, and claimed it as his own. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And the people picked up stones to stone him because they knew what he was claiming. They knew what he was saying. Now, here's the thing. Jesus wasn't the only person in history to make exorbitant, extravagant claims. But what was unique about Jesus was this. He didn't just talk the talk. He walked the walk. At one point, he says, destroy this temple, speaking of his body, and I will raise it up in three days. And that's exactly what he did. Jesus didn't just talk the talk, he walked the walk. He died and then he was raised from the dead. And so that set him apart from every person who's ever lived. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, never to die again. And that is why we follow Jesus. That is why we seek to live like he lived, love like he loved, and believe what he believed and teach what he taught. Which leads us to the next crucial question. So what did Jesus believe and what did Jesus teach when it came to the topic of life after death? Well, one day, a religious leader named Nicodemus approached Jesus and they had a, a conversation about spiritual eternal matters. In the conversation, Jesus reminded Nicodemus about a miraculous event that had taken place in the past in Israel's history. Moses was leading Israel out of the, the Egypt and towards the promised land. But the Israelites were rebelling against God and they were complaining. And so God, as a discipline, sent these venomous snakes to discipline and chastise the Israelites. To the point the Israelites said, okay, well, we're sorry, we're sorry. We realize we were wrong. And God said to Moses, Moses, here's what I need you to do. Make a bronze serpent, a snake out of bronze, and place it on a stick, on a stake, on, on a stick. Place that stake and that stick into the ground with that bronze serpent wrapped around it. And all of the Israelites who look upon that bronze serpent on that stake will be healed. They will live. By the way, to this day, a serpent wrapped around a stake is the sign of the medical community. 
Well, Jesus then went on to apply that event from the past, and he applied it to his own life. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, a title he used for himself, must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And then look at what is said next, the very next verse after that, the most famous verse perhaps in the Bible, John 3, 16. Jesus then went on to say, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. What did Jesus teach? And what did Jesus believe? Jesus taught that believing and trusting in him is essential to experiencing eternal life, life after death. Now, the men and women who lived with Jesus and were commissioned by Jesus to carry on his teaching, they then made this bold declaration. They said, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. They said, listen, believing in Jesus is the only way to achieve and experience eternal life, life after death for all eternity. Because Jesus is the only one qualified to pay our moral debt. It was our sin that was separating us from God. The Bible says the wages that sin brings is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, and only through Jesus Christ. See, there's a reality. There's a heaven to win and a hell to shun. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And the only way to experience heaven, eternity in the presence of God, is through believing in and trusting in Jesus Christ. The only way to avoid hell, which is separation from God forever, is through experiencing salvation, forgiveness through Jesus Christ. By the way, have you done this? Have you experienced forgiveness? Have you accepted the gift that Jesus offers and purchased? If you haven't, at the end of today's teaching, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that very thing. So this is why we do all that we can to show people and to tell people about the life and about the love of Jesus Christ. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Because salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus believed that. His first apostles believed that. For 2,000 years, Jesus' followers have believed that. We at Broadway Church believe that. I believe that. Do you believe it? It's the question of the moment. It's the question that I was confronted with as I watched my mother take her last breath. So what do you believe? Do you believe what Jesus believed when it comes to life after death? Do you believe that a person's eternal destiny, heaven or hell, is determined by their response to the message and the offer of Jesus Christ? A few weeks ago, Pastor Simon reminded us of the five purposes for the church in the New Testament. There are five things that the New Testament Christians, Christ followers, are called to do. Do you remember them? Discipleship, worship, service, fellowship, and outreach. And a key truth when it comes to those five purposes is that only one of those five purposes cannot be done in heaven. 
Only one of those five purposes, discipleship, fellowship, service, um, worship, outreach, only one of those can only be done on earth. Do you know what it is? It's outreach. We can't share the gospel in heaven. We can't reach lost, unsaved people in heaven because there are no lost, unsaved people in heaven. Outreach is the one purpose that can only be done here on earth, which is why I believe God doesn't use the save and scoop approach. When a person becomes a follower of Jesus, they suddenly get scooped up into heaven. That doesn't happen. Why? Because we are still here on earth to reach others with the good news of Jesus Christ. Several times after his resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples to encourage and to instruct them. A man named Matthew concludes his biography of Jesus' life with these words from the lips of Jesus. Matthew wrote, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Clearly, Jesus placed a priority upon the importance of telling others about his offer of eternal life. Clearly, we are still on this earth for an important reason, to share this good news with those who are in desperate need of hearing this good news. And clearly, by the way, the vast majority of Christ followers understand this reality. How do we know that? Well, in a poll by the Barna Research Group, Christ followers were asked to agree or disagree with a few statements. For example, one statement was this, Part of my faith means telling others about Jesus. Agree or disagree? 95% of the elder generation of Christ followers, people born before 1946, they agreed with that statement. 96% of the baby boom generation agreed with that statement. 97% of Gen X and millennials agreed with that statement. A second statement was offered for their response. Agree or disagree with this statement? The best thing that could ever happen to someone is for them to come to know Jesus. 97% of the elder Christians agreed. 97% of the baby boomer Christians agreed. 97% of the Gen Xers agreed. 94% of the millennials agreed with that statement. So far, so good, right? Well, then things took a strange turn when the pollsters offered this statement. It is wrong to attempt to lead someone of another faith to become a follower of Jesus. 20% of the elders polled agreed with that statement. 19% of the baby boomers polled agreed with that statement. 27% of the Christian Gen Xers agreed with that statement. But get this. 47% of millennial Christ followers agreed with that statement. Between 20 and 47% of Christ followers agree that it is wrong to try to convert someone. Between 20 and 47% of Christ followers believe it is wrong to seek to lead someone of another faith to Christ. Now that is a scary statistic. That is an irrational statistic. It's irrational because you cannot claim to believe what Jesus believed, yet also claim that it's wrong to tell another person about Jesus and what he did. 
Not when Jesus believed that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Not when Jesus' apostles declared that salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. At Broadway Church, we believe this. At Broadway Church, we declare this. And that is why this congregation began 113 years ago. That is why thousands and thousands of people have invested their time, talents, and treasures to build and rebuild, to enlarge and to expand, decade after decade after decade. That is why we have all the ministries that we have and do all the things that we do, from children to senior citizens, from feeding the poor and, and, and housing people, from encouraging people, from grief share to celebrate recovery, to every type of ministry that you can imagine. That's why we do all that we do. That is why today we are inaugurating our newest campus at the Landmark Theaters in Surrey. We do all of this because we believe that every person was created to experience and express the purest love imaginable because we believe what Jesus believed because we believe that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life because we believe that salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Author John Ortberg tells the story of a lesson he learned while on a family vacation on the east coast of the United States. It was there on Nantucket Island, not far from Boston, where the Ortbergs visited a tiny museum. It was a tiny museum devoted to a volunteer organization that was formed over 300 years ago. Now, in those days, travel by sea was extremely dangerous. And given storms in the Atlantic and the rocky coasts of Massachusetts, many, many lives were lost quite close to the shore, within a mile or less of the land. So a group of people who lived on that island could not stand to think about all these people dying so close to them. So they went into the life-saving business. They banded together to form what was originally called the Humane Society. Now, when we hear that name today, we think about rescuing animals, but in those days, it was all about rescuing humans. So this group of volunteers built little huts that dotted the shore. They called them huts of refuge. You can actually still see one of those huts in the museum. They filled these huts with boats and rescue equipment. And volunteers were posted in those huts 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The job of these volunteers was simply to keep watching the sea. And any time a ship went down, the word would go out. They would devote everything. They would risk themselves to save every life they could. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Somebody was watching. Everybody was willing. Now, they didn't do this for money. They didn't do it for recognition. They did it just because they valued human life. They even adopted a motto. They made up a motto. You, you have to go out, but you don't have to come back. That's a catchy little slogan, don't you think? You have to go out, but you don't have to come back. 
Now, you wouldn't think that that slogan would actually elicit people to come and respond and be a part of their team, but it actually did. You wouldn't think that motto would entice a whole lot of people into joining them, but it did. You can read accounts in that museum of people who risked everything to save people they had never met, faces they had never seen, names they might not ever know. Over time, however, things changed. After a while, what would come to be known as the U.S. Coast Guard started to take over this task. Now, for a little while, the Coast Guard and this life-saving society worked side by side. Eventually, however, the idea that kind of carried the day was, let the professionals do it. They're better trained. They get paid to do it. So the volunteers stopped manning the little huts. They stopped searching the coastline for sinking ships. They stopped sending out teams to rescue people. It's a funny thing, though. They couldn't seem to bring themselves to disband. So the life-saving society still exists today. It meets every once in a while in Boston or somewhere in New England to have dinners together, and they hand out awards for things like community service. They enjoy each other's company. They sponsor various programs. They get together. They're just not in the life-saving business anymore. They're no longer looking out for lost people. They no longer know the thrill of what it is to risk everything to save a life. They're just not in the life-saving business anymore. It happens all the time. It doesn't happen in a day. It doesn't happen in a moment. It doesn't happen in a month. But it happens over time. And it happens to individuals and it happens to churches. Over time, a church forgets that it's in the life-saving business. It usually doesn't disband, at least not until much later. People still meet. They still enjoy each other's company. They still use words like community. They still have services and buildings and staffs and programs. They might even be involved in various forms of community outreach. But they leave the life-saving stuff up to the professionals. They're not sending out teams of volunteers to rescue lost people. They're not scouring their neighborhoods and offices, their schools and their networks, their communities and their cities to see if there's somebody that needs to be saved. Oh, they have buildings and budgets and staffs and meetings. They're just not in the life-saving business anymore. It can happen to a church. It can happen to an individual. Has it happened to you? Jesus still believes that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus' people still believe that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is still looking for people who are in the life-saving business. That's what the Church of Jesus Christ does. That's what this church does. And that truth will stand as the last word and the big idea for today. Broadway Church is still in the life-saving business. I want you to hear that from me. Folks, Broadway Church is still in the life-saving business. What do you believe about life after death? 
As for me, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That means when it comes to life after death, I still believe what Jesus believed. I still teach what Jesus taught about the reality of heaven and hell. I came to that decision. I came to that reaffirmation when I watched my mother breathe her last breath. Yes, I still believe this. What about you? Do you believe what Jesus believed? If you do, I invite you to join with us here at Broadway Church and together, let's do all that we can to rescue as many as we can because together we are in the life-saving business. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your love. It's the purest love imaginable. You saw our need. You saw that we're dying. You saw that we need to be rescued. So you did what we could never do. You paid our moral debt. You died in our place. You offer us the gift of forgiveness and eternal life. We thank you that you loved us so much that you saved us, you rescued us. And now you have given us the task of sharing this same message with others. Maybe you're watching today and you've not yet accepted this message. You've not yet believed this truth. You've not yet placed the full weight of your life upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. If that's you, I want to give you an opportunity right now to believe in Jesus, to place your trust, your past, your present, and your future in the hands of Jesus. If you'd like to do that, pray with me right now. God, I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge my rebellion, my waywardness. I've turned my back on you. I don't want to live that way anymore. At this moment, I choose to turn to you, Jesus, to accept your gift. Come live within me by your spirit. Change me from the inside out. Fill me with your spirit. I want to follow you. I choose to believe in you from this moment forward. And I pray this by the authority of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. In his name, I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. The best advice I can give you is this. On the screen right now, you'll see a number. Text that number and we will respond to you. Now, don't worry, we're not tricking you. We're not going to be putting you on a mailing list. We're not going to be spamming you. But one of our team is simply going to respond to you with another text, offering our services to you to help you in any way that we can to help you take the next step in your journey. God bless you. Thank you for being with us here at Broadway Church. I hope you'll join us again next week as we continue our work of being in the life-saving business. God bless you. Thank you for being with Broadway Church today.